welcome to episode 134 of Friends and Film. We're here to bring you the latest movie news and review of the biggest new release, Mission Impossible Fallout. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week, I'm joined by Josh Straley and Colton Leakty. Guys, kick things off. Other than Mission Impossible Fallout, what have you watched recently? I just took a start at Godzilla again, because I was so blown away by the King of Monsters trailer, and had forgotten how little Godzilla is in that entire movie. Like, 10 minutes of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. That's it. And everything else is from Gareth Edwards, like on the ground and shaky. So I was like, man, I hope this next monster movie doesn't stick to that profile. But it doesn't look like it is because we've got those grand views. Mm-hmm. I just want to see more monsters tearing each other apart. And I think that's what we're getting. Yeah, I've heard the joke that uh, Godzilla's in the new trailer more than he is in the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's about right. Maybe accurate. I don't know. Colin, have you been watching um, anything? I'd like to talk about a 2018 movie called Thoroughbreds that a lot of people didn't get a chance to see. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, it was it was a dark comedy. Um, it has Olivia Cook and uh, Anna Taylor Joy. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, Anya Taylor Joy, however you say her first name. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's just uh, it just like caught me off guard. I saw the good reviews, so I wanted to check it out, and then I eventually did, and then I bought it like the next day after I had red boxed it. So definitely check that one out, guys. Wow, I just actually finished rewatching Gone Girl. For the first time, uh, since probably theaters. since I bought it, oh. I probably rewatched it then. But it's been you know three or four years since I watched it, and yeah. my gosh, that movie just messes me up every single time because it's just Rosamund Pike is just so creepy and calculating, and uh, it, just like nope, I don't trust anybody anymore, just because like it, it just messes with me for whatever reason. <laughs> Got trust issues now. I mean, I don't think everyone's a psycho though, so but you never know. It just takes one thing and you flip a switch, and all of a sudden. You don't know who you're married to anymore. I'm not married, but, you know, in that instance, uh, Ben Affleck's world is thrown upside down and almost went to jail for it. So uh, pretty crazy stuff, Josh. Uh, where can the people find us, though, on the interwebs if they want to get some more updates on us? Well, they can um, get at us on Twitter by just simply searching Friends in Film. We have news on there and occasional jokes and retweets and yeah. things like that. Um, but more importantly, you can find all the rest of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you can get your podcasts. But wherever you go, please rate and review us. It really helps. Yeah, and we have a giveaway to do this week, right? Yes. Really? We have a giveaway for Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg's latest masterpiece. We both thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, loved it. Completely. Um, That launched on Blu-ray last week, and so I picked it up, and I have an extra digital copy to Mm -hmm. give away. So we'll have that contest out with this episode. Yeah, so I, we'll probably do what we've done recently where you just leave us a review on iTunes, take a screenshot of it, mm-hmm. tweet it to us just so we can verify who you are, and yep. then we'll get in contact with you if you're the winner. So if you haven't reviewed us today on iTunes, this is just a little extra incentive. If you love Ready Player One, go do it. And if you didn't, then leave us a review anyways. Or if you want to wait a couple weeks, we may have another uh, giveaway to uh, for another big digital release for a big marvel movie this past year so uh just you know some things to keep in mind um and ant-man not not him sorry uh he is big but it's he's not the big one um this week we are also changing friends and film forever it has never been the same yes uh this is i will dub this phase three of friends and film in terms of our format where you go i I know i just can't help it but uh the big change is going to come in terms of the overall structure of the show where our reviews are not going to be short spoiler free sections and then extensive spoiler just conversations where we can talk freely about the movie 
So each of us will give like three to four minutes in non-spoiler thoughts, and then we'll open up the discussion in full spoilers. So uh, hopefully you guys have seen the movies before you guys tune in to these episodes. And then once we get into the actual news topics, we're going to split up the news into uh, doing three main topics to start off, then doing a revised ticket or skip it where we can only give one ticket out every single week. So we can only give a ticket to the best trailer in our minds and then defend that choice uh, to the death. And then we'll bring back the flyby to just kind of rattle through some other news that happened throughout the week and then close out the show. So hopefully you guys can enjoy this uh, new podcast uh, format. We think it's going to help keep the show moving a little quicker and keep it lively. So hope you guys enjoy this. This week, though, for the review, as mentioned, it's Mission Impossible Fallout Week. Uh, I gave the review for the site. And if you have not read it yet, I don't know why you haven't, but I loved this movie. I gave it five ticket stubs out of five because it is just, I think... Uh, the new, uh, the high point for the franchise. It is absolutely remarkable. The stunts, the uh, character work, the story, everything is firing on all cylinders, whether Christopher McQuarrie is directing, uh, the editing, the sound mixing, the uh, yeah. cinematography, the score, everything works. And then it's another movie with Tom Cruise playing Ethan Hunt, playing this just insane action star who just won't stop he will do anything he can just to kind of please us as audience members whether he's uh dangling from helicopters breaking his ankles jumping from roofs uh flying down the streets of italy through motorcycle and oncoming traffic it is uh exhilarating it is thrilling uh, gripping it is just so much fun and there's some great villains in here too the great supporting cast rebecca ferguson returns and again is a standout but then there's there's benji and luther both you know having their moments of comedic relief and helping keep the story moving all in all though i mean if you're a big fan of this franchise you will very much enjoy this movie and again five ticket subs out of five and i hear that can i echo that too you can um it is nut bustingly awesome in every <laughs> way um and it's a movie that i, I just did my mission impossible rewatch so all of these are fresh in my mind the language of the films and how they do them and it literally takes everything to attend all the mission impossible movies try to incorporate some kind of you know callbacks and retreads and this one does it and it does it better and then anything else that's come before it it batters tom cruise and like none of the predecessors either um, i mean it literally broke his leg mm-hmm. i think it's the first massive entry he's had yeah, it's, it's, it's a big one. It delayed production like eight weeks oh, or something. In um, Mission Impossible 2, he ended up tearing some of his shoulder oh. during the rock climb scenes. Wow. Um, but other than that, though, <sighs> Mission he, Impossible 2. he laid it all on the line. <laughs> yes. That um, movie, laid it all on the line. It, well, yeah, we mean, it went, <laughs> it floored it, pedaled to the metal, like in every way, for better or worse, with John Woo. Mm. Right? I would oh, yeah. agree. Okay, yeah. Um, but, and then, uh, like you already touched on, great supporting cast members. Angela Bassett, Vanessa Kirby, two of the best entries, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can go miles and miles about Henry Cavill and the villainry he brings to it. And it shows us he's so underserved by the DC movies. Um, <laughs> but, he, yeah, uh, everything else is just A+. plus. There is not a bad beat. It's two hours and 30 minutes long, yeah. but I did not feel like that at all. Engrossed on the edge of my seat the entire way. And I can now, I now have to say, I like Tom Cruise. He's, <laughs> he is a good yes. actor, great stunt person. And yeah, wow, wow, wow. Dare we say you can't lose with Cruise? Uh, no, no, but he is very great. Okay, okay. Uh, Colton, what, I mean, <laughs> what, are you th- what are your thoughts on Fallout? Oh, man. 
I don't even know where to begin. You guys have pretty much said everything I felt about the movie. It's a it's a five out of five for me as well. Um, yeah, just the the stunts were just insane in this one. I just like even like I've I've had a chance to you know watch it more than once, <laughs> and I can attest to that two and a half hour running time running by. It feels even shorter like the second time you see the movie. Really, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, just like how everything flows together, the story, um, Henry Cavill's like best work i've ever seen him in um still haven't seen man from uncle but they're, they're um, close they're close okay and then uh rebecca ferguson or i just called her the ferg today and i think <laughs> i'm gonna stick with that uh as uh awesome and beautiful as ever and then you get uh yeah simon Pegg and ving ramos or rames rames, rames. yes uh you get them back um and you know they're as good as they've ever been like they mm-hmm. literally just Everything this movie does is as good as they could have done it, I feel like. That goes with the score, cinematography, and, of course, the set pieces, which were insane. It starts you off right from the beginning with the Halo jump and doesn't stop from there. So definitely check it out in IMAX if you can. Yes, definitely IMAX. I mean, yeah, just the, the stunts are bigger. The music is louder. It's better. It's it's uh, And Macquarie, I saw confirmed on Twitter this week that uh, on the Blu-ray – they're going to maintain the IMAX scope. That's good. Which is great. I love when they do that. Because, yes. like, as much as I'm excited to see Infinity War uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday when it comes on digital, they're not keeping the IMAX scope, which is the whole movie was IMAX. So that's That that's doesn't pretty, make sense to me. It's, it's not going to be like that on the Blu-ray either? Mm-mm. Huh. I mean, they obviously had to crop it for the 2D non-IMAX screenings, but at the same time... You have the you have the technology. Just do it, Why Disney. Would you, I mean, it'll it'll be on the special edition twentieth anniversary <laughs> re-release when we all have IMAX theaters in our homes. But hey, goodness man. gracious, why not get eventually? It done now? Uh, yeah. But yeah, let's just jump into spoilers here, so we can kind of just talk about Mission Impossible Fallout and all of its glory. Josh, yeah. looks like you want to start off with something yes. profound. Can I talk about Ving <laughs> Rhames really quick? Yeah, his character Luther Stickle. Um, we still don't know a lot about this dude, and that's kind of one of my frustrations across the movie. But they finally gave us an emotional center to him and Ethan's relationship in this mm-hmm. one. Um, he brings it out when he's talking to um, Faust, Isla Faust, mm-hmm. Rebecca Ferguson's character, um, for the first time. And I'm like, these two have been with each other for the last five, or four or five movies. He's got that cameo in yeah. Ghost Protocol. And he's talking about what Ethan cares about. And Ving Rhames is visibly emotional this time around, tearing up. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the part that like just banged me in the chest with an iron you know, pipe the hardest. Because I've never seen that man you know, yeah. at, you know, producing that kind of emotion before. And that was like... That was like the highlight for me, even though Hunt gets his own little mm-hmm. parts near the end that are equally as good. Um, this was just like, oh, come here. I wanted, I wanted to hug him in the theater. I was like, oh, no, don't let him cry. And then he, <laughs> well, Hunt crashes the moment, wells up, and I was like, ah, that was that was just perfect for me. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight, uh, especially for Luther, because like you said, he doesn't really have that much character work in the previous movies, mm-hmm. but to have him be like the emotional core of that scene, but then also very beginning of the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, they just kill Luther. Like, I was like, there's no way. But they play with that a lot of like, you know, mm-hmm. these people can die and they're very close to it sometimes. So um, just starting off with shooting Luther twice in the chest and then going to that point, uh, some really great stuff. And then even when he has to talk with Michelle Monaghan yes. and talk about like, you know, how's he been? Uh, you know, same old Ethan. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really great stuff. 
from Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And it was a great finishing, it was a great tie-up, too, with what they introduced, that Luther is skeptical about Ethan's personal life from mm-hmm. Mission Impossible 3, because one of my favorite scenes is when they're applying the mask and having mm-hmm. some banter like that. It's great. But this was like that perfect tie-up to say he does care, because he's coming back around to it and saying, hey, he cares about you. Don't screw him over. Yeah. So that was perfect. And I mean, I I think we will all want to talk about Rebecca Ferguson and her action stuff as well in this movie, mm-hmm. but real quick, um, I love that this movie like basically does the unspoken thing where it's like there's clearly something between Faust and Hunt, but like they've never shown any like physical affection to each other on screen before. Which I it's can just, appreciate. Right. <laughs> like I definitely just thought like, okay, end of this movie, she's gonna come in, he's safe, and they're gonna have their first kiss like on screen and like it's gonna be this big moment, you know, there's gonna be choir bells in the background, <laughs> like doves will be flying, like it'll be this big moment and like no, like, you know, she touches his ribs, he gets a funny one liner, and like that's it. Like that's the extent of their, mm-hmm. you know, romantic I, involvement. And yeah. I really just love that they're not forcing her as like She's the new love interest. She's She is kind of, but she's still her own thing. Yeah, I think they understand that that would kind of take away from the whole Michelle Monaghan mm-hmm. side plot. Because, like, if he can't be with her, I understand that, you know, Faust can take care of herself. But at the same time, like, you're kind of contradicting yourself if you allow yourself to get back into that a relationship like that. So I really like how, yeah, like you said, how they're kind of going the alternate route with her character and making her her own like mysterious still Mm -hmm. like she's same as she was in five she's you know kind of has her own agenda that she has to follow yeah yeah and it puts her on the same plane as hunt too Mm -hmm. like um there's no like uh, one of my big deals with the mission impossible 2 sorry i'm I'm just gonna drop these references (laughs) everywhere was that tandy newton's character was just so like she was supposed to be like really skilled and talented but she's just in distress the entire time waiting Mm -hmm. for hunt to save her not so once with fisher in this movie mm. at all. Um, Fisher, Faust. Faust, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. In, in um, the previous installment and this one too, mm. Rogue Nation, she just takes him to pieces. So it's it's a great character by McCory in um, every way. And then the writers that are like, with Yeah, they on. almost face off against each other mm-hmm. almost as much as mm-hmm. they're teamed up. So they're perfect makes matches. Makes it interesting. Yeah. 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 yeah, I love all that stuff because then it's not just... Uh, You're just uh, like, what's going to happen? Right, here? it's like, oh, I know they're going to be together and be happy. It's like, no, it's like, well... Is she going to shoot at him? Is he going to run over her with with his car? <laughs> like, you don't know what they're going to do. Right. Uh, it's very unpredictable. And I love every aspect of that. Um, I mean, a lot of her highlight stuff does come in the action sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any particular, I mean, there's so many great action sequences in this movie, but is there one that if you're like, I can only watch one action sequence from Fallout ever for the rest of time. Don't get to watch any of the other ones. Which one are you choosing? Don't do that. Mm, <laughs> it's, okay. a, it's a tough question. I would take I would take the conclusion that helicopter um, battle mm-hmm. laced with what Benji and Faust are doing to Lane mm-hmm. in the cabin. I think that it was that was some of the mo- the biggest drama yeah. that I've had um, in intercutting scenes in a Mission Impossible film. Mm-hmm. The Halo jump and the Burj Khalifa are mm-hmm. all one single thing. Yeah. Here we have these multiple storylines. I would can I do I get to do that? Yeah, yeah, is that yeah, part yeah. of it? Okay. It, so it, would, it is one action sequence. I would total. take that. As good as what happens in Paris mm-hmm. is at the escape of Solomon Lane, I would take that finale any day. Okay. Yeah, I think I probably would. It's it's tough because there's so many, but the second because we we just watched it the second time me and Colton did uh it just got out of it like two hours ago. Oh, and the Paris stuff where it's just 
where he's just zipping on his motorcycle mm. through the streets or just driving his big truck. Like all of it is just, I think, so perfectly executed. And just the way that they're able to hit with Macquarie and cinematographer Rob Hardy are able to construct the shots where you can like physically tell that this is actually Tom Cruise you know, weaving through traffic, whether that traffic is there, it's probably digitally created because uh, that would be completely unsafe. But, I don't know. It, the, there's the one scene where he like drives straight through the traffic. Yeah, I almost feel like they had the cars I, there just to like stop on cue. I, yeah, I think that one. I think that part was real. Mm-hmm. But when he there's that huge uh, roundabout section in the middle of Paris. Mm-hmm. Oh, where he's I, going, and he's and he's and he's weaving in and out, and like I was like. The cars are zipping past so fast where it's like, I think those could be digitally created just to make it a little safer for crews. That's insanely expensive, though. Is it? I mean, that's just stock CGI cars just every couple seconds just going mm. by a screen. I don't think it'd be that I don't know. This difficult. movie, with it this movie, really I wouldn't yes. be surprised if that, it was. Right. And that's not, that, that yeah. wasn't the point. It was just, uh, that was just me saying, like, yeah. even if it was CG, I only really thought about it the second time because I was like, man, that's super unsafe. Mm-hmm. Like, Cruz, yeah, he's great. He's a great motorcycle driver, but you're really risking his life having him go, you know, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, weaving through traffic with oncoming cars. Like, that is just, I think, a risk that you probably wouldn't take with your star. But then again, it's Tom Cruise. He's a maniac. <laughs> Maybe he did. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the, the cars are practical and there's some kind of camera work plus computer effects. Yeah. Because once you pair that with sound of cars whipping by, yeah. um, that helps with the illusion. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't wait for bonus features. Yeah, One of the yeah. best part of Mission Impossible <laughs> is getting all those bonus features that they have and how they did it all. Uh, I can't wait for that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Italy, Paris. car chase or Paris? Yes, car chase sequence is is my choice. I was gonna go with that. Uh, Sorry, but I'm gonna go. I'll switch it up. I'll talk about the uh, fist fight in the bathroom. Oh um, yes. One of the most brutal fights I think I've ever seen mm-hmm. in a really movie. Really raw. Um, just, it's such a blast to watch, too. Just, I don't really know what else to say about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's just, uh, man, just like you're just, you're taken aback a little bit because mm-hmm. of the guy they're fighting, uh, Lark, I guess. Yeah. Um, he, uh, just like the fact that he can hold his own against. You know, Two Ethan Hunt, and, not not just hold his own. He was kicking Walker. Their butt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, it. Just like kind of takes you aback, and you're just like, uh oh, what's what are they gonna do here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, at, right when Henry Cavill gets like throat punched, you're just like, mm-hmm. what the heck? Oh yeah, they, you, they're in danger. Get yeah. out of there while you still mm-hmm. can. Yeah, yeah. That that sequence is is just so good, and I and love, then of course, since we're in spoilers, the yeah. introduction of Rebecca Ferguson's mm-hmm. character in that scene too just kind of puts the icing on the yeah. cake. Yeah, and I love like you talk about like the close camera work with like it's Henry Cavill beating yeah. up on that guy. And you can tell it's Henry Cavill because it's so close quartered. Oh, yeah. And it's like Cavill's talked about how working with Tom Cruise, who just does all of his own stunts, whatever they are, uh, made him up his game. So it's like, no, mm-hmm. I, I want to do these fights. I want to do these motorcycle chases. I want to do all of this stuff mm-hmm. because I got to match or try to match Cruise as yeah. best I can. And yeah. like, it just, it, it helps so much with, I think the believability of it all where it's like, yeah, I can actually see this guy's face. Like maybe they did like the CGI face um, replacement that they do with you know plenty of actors on plenty of instances but it looks just so visceral and real that i just believe that that is actually cavill doing all that stuff i gotta mention too the uh, halo jump sequence right before it 
Um, the, to me, that whole sequence is all kind of one big one with the bathroom fight, mm-hmm. topping it off. And then, of course, that gets into the uh, with Vanessa Kirby's character, yeah. like little brawl in the actual club. Yes. Which wow. leads to, you know, Paris. <laughs> Paris. It's, mm-hmm. it's just it's a perfectly set up story. Yeah. Strung along. Um, but yeah, just the yeah, the halo jump leading into the fight that takes place about five minutes once mm-hmm. that halo jump ends. Uh, man, it, it sets the tone for the whole movie with that opening action scene there. Yeah. A couple of things I want to point out there. Uh, obviously, that. The halo jump there, that's all CGI. With back. the lightning. It's, yeah, that's CGI. The Paris. The backdrop of Paris is all CG because they were jumping. They probably couldn't jump off a plane. straight over Paris. Yeah, over mm-hmm. like yeah. A, just a desert plane or whatever. So it all looks fantastic, and you can't tell. And maybe that's just because it's the camera work is dizzying, and it's mm-hmm. going so quick that it's impossible to even have a real focus on that. But it just, again, it's a tip of the cap to Macquarie and everybody to make it look so real and only have probably, I think I tried to count this second time, like like three cuts max. that I could really tell in like, okay, like the lightning strike, obviously that's fake. Mm-hmm. And then there's a point where, um, Cruz has to try to, you know, get on top of Cavill and they like whiz by the screen really quick. I think that was the second, like, you know, try to be a quick cut, but either way, like to make it all look like such one single sequence is just so good. Second thing, did you guys catch that Vanessa Kirby is related to Max from the first Mission Impossible? Uh, no. <laughs> so in in the first Mission Impossible, when he has the the list, whatever it's called, I can't remember the actual name. Um, the IMF agent list. Yeah, yep. when he has yeah. that, he's looking for the seller. You know, Job three three six one or whatever. Mm-hmm. The buyer, that girl, her name was Max. Right. Vanessa Kirby is like her daughter, oh. which was like a cool way to, again, to tie it all back together. Oh. But also if I noticed this, cause I was just like curious as like, oh, I wonder if like they, like what would they cut from like the marketing? If they show anything that wasn't in there, because I remember distinctly the shot of that oncoming truck through that. Oh, and with that the was, helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not in the movie, but there's also a sequence from the nightclub in Paris where Cruz is like, dangling from the ceiling yes. of, yeah and i was like i th- i was like i don't know where that comes in unless that's how they got into the club to begin with but that's not how Maybe it he looked. breaks through the ceiling or i was like lands. is he trying to exit um but it looks like there's some at least extended fight sequences that are cut from the movie which i hope again are like blu-ray yeah. extras because i want to see all of that kind of stuff i forgot about the i i I noticed that the helicopter part with the van mm-hmm. wasn't in the movie, but like, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. I think that's gotta be him like parachuting down and just crashing through the, cause I, that's why I thought they were going with the scene when they first landed. Mm-hmm. Right. As soon as he hit that yeah. pain, I was like, Oh, here we go. Yeah. He's going to slide through and have to climb back up. Mm-hmm. But then it didn't happen. I was like, all right. They wanted to give it more of a subtle entrance into the fight. Cause that would have mm-hmm. kind of taken that away. Right. Um, I mentioned, you know, the max connection, obviously, are there any other like mission impossible, tendencies call outs callbacks that you guys specifically I mean, the opening, enjoyed the opening uh scene the fake with, hospital yeah where they yes. do the fake hospital that's a Ugh. great callback because yep. you know you fall for it again yeah and like you've literally seen it not Sot- not in that way but you've seen it um i guess not that elaborate i should but say like that's that's the first yeah. time we've seen it since the first the one. first mission impossible yeah. yes which was again how they opened up that movie which mm-hmm. is just so genious yeah. did either of you guys catch on like okay oh 
I think they're going to go this way, or did it just no. kind of catch no. you by surprise? I bought it. Um, I thought it was setting the tone for a darker movie with the right with the three bombs going off in mm-hmm. Jerusalem. Yeah, you know wherever, et cetera. Yeah, I thought I was like, oh, this is a great marketing mm-hmm. switch because, like you mm-hmm. said, trailers the trailers actually moved us a lot of different ways. Yeah. than the movie plays out. Um, and I thought this was just another one of them that Ethan Hunt's going to go, like he, uh, Colton just said, dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I bought it, too, because Wolf Blitzer was in on it. <laughs> and I have, I've, I've got reservations about Wolf Blitzer appearing in movies <laughs> in general for journalists. But um, that was great. And then, like, when he walked in, and he's like, do we get it? And I'm like, oh, Wolf's in on it. And then he takes off his mask. Yeah, it's, and it's so Benji. Simon Pegg, yeah. And that's another great callback. Benji finally gets mm-hmm. to wear yes. a mask. <laughs> finally. Um, he was foiled in <laughs> couple three times in the movie. Uh-huh. Ghost Protocol and again in Did he have I don't know if he Rogue Nation. tried. Did he try in Rogue he Nation? He wanted to, but then they're like, oh, a mask won't work. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's right. Have, that's right. They have a gain measure uh, yes. measuring. Yes. Yeah, that was just one system. of the jokes. But he yeah, he yeah. he got to wear it for like the fake sequence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um Right. Yeah, I yeah, I loved I loved all that stuff and like I got I was a little suspicious when they started reading it and I was like, man, that's just like really fast. <laughs> that's so, that's so fast. And it's like, that is so much control for IMF to have. I was like, I was like, and then I just started crossing my fingers. Like, Oh, please be a fake building. Please be a fake building. Please be a fake building. And then they did. It. I was like, yes, yes, Macquarie. Uh, you are the greatest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got it like one second before. Right. When he's like, Ethan, we got it. And then yeah, he when he smiles and looks up, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's like, we got it. And then, yeah, I'm gonna start yeah. clapping at that. Um, can I direct our attention toward Alec Baldwin? One second. Okay. I want to. I want to make a couple other points to callbacks. Rock climbing, obviously, yep. huge mm-hmm. fan of that. I, I immediately thought about that. When, yeah, I was like, yeah. yes, thank you, Chris McCarty again. Um, there's also the pseudo uh, callback to Emilio Estevez getting impaled in the face with yes. Cavill getting hooked in the face at the end. Mm-hmm. You could take it that way. And if I I recall correctly. Cruz has to hang underneath an elevator shaft in the beginning yeah. of Mission Impossible 1 as well. Was it the first one? I can't remember. I, I feel like it was the first one If when him and um, that other female agent who's killed really on in the movie are like going down to that room. But I couldn't remember. I just remember him like hanging underneath an elevator at one point. I was like, they, okay, another nice little callback there. They open up the shaft and jump down below. Yes. Yeah, man. Yep. Okay. I was, I was thinking of Skyfall. <laughs> there are, there are <laughs> yeah. a couple other really good uh, callbacks as well, that I, but I can't think of. But it, basically, the movie is a mosaic yeah. of mi- everything Mission Impossible has had in it. I mean, right down to the MacGuffin, which is, you know, a nuclear bomb. The only thing that they didn't use was Ethan Hunt's lip reading ability. I was waiting for that. <laughs> it would right. have been the final tied all together thing, but and I'll a thousand freaking pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Alec and Baldwin. Slow-mo. Oh, yes. yes. There was no slow mo this time around. No. That's right. Well, I was only in, I think, the second yeah. one. But mm-hmm. It's just John Woo. The amount, yeah. of, the amount of times they used it, you'd think it'd be a callback, like right? Like five, six, seven, eight <laughs> times. Even three had it. Uh, but Alec Baldwin. I didn't like, I didn't necessarily buy him as a Secretary of State, CIA agent, Secretary of the IMF, or whatever he is. Mm-hmm. But this time around, really, really worked for me everywhere especially in that opening sequence right prior to the halo jump and then when they get back to london uh, right before that london street chase and there's an entire plan concocted around it and it's probably my most aha <laughs> moment of the movie where i just mm-hmm. felt really good about myself other than ving rames's uh confession and 
oh, I, I bought everything beautifully because I'm like, oh, Alec Baldwin's a jerk. He's just ready to mm-hmm. cut and run with Hunt. Hunt's let him down for the last time. And then, um, again, there's this 360 camera work that I'm pretty sure when I watch it again, I'll be able to say, wow, they really didn't trick us that hard. With, with the switching the Benji switch. and they kind of don't show lane. it. No, they don't. Okay. Yeah, I was I was paying attention to that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, they kind of just like they show him put the mask on and look back at him and then it cuts to Henry Cavill looking at the camera. Yeah, and I think which is time has elapsed because he moves out of the Right. I think frame. it was them walking past uh, they like walked yeah. past the camera. So there's it. like that brief moment where it's like okay, maybe then they switch then, but that's that's super quick and he would have they'd have to double mask in that scenario where to, they had to put Benji's face on Lane and put Lane's face on Benji yeah. to get him out that quickly. So I feel like it'd have to be at a point oh. where he where um, Walker was not watching the cameras. But I don't know. That's just one of those like brief little mysteries we'll probably never find out about. Um, I mean, were you upset that they killed him? I feel like it was yeah, because I just started to like the guy, <laughs> and I'm like Alec Baldwin. As long as you quit your unfunny impression on SNL, um, stay here and do this because mm-hmm. I mean, someone else can do it. But I, I, yeah, I was like, I'm ready for this guy to move beyond Jack Donaghy, and it looks like I this is a good spot for him. And then yeah, gun down, and we don't even get to hear his last words, but I'm sure they were nice. <laughs> I think I I was okay with it. Yeah, I was fine with it. I was a little bummed just because yeah, he was like the new addition kind mm-hmm. of. So since they tease, oh, oh we're gonna kill Ving Rams at the beginning, but we're not. Don't worry, he's got a bulletproof vest on. And then at the end, Solomon Lane strangling Benji, and I'm like, oh my, oh my, oh my gosh, they can actually kill Benji. It felt like there were real stakes that somebody in Ethan's team was going to die, and then, so yeah. to have it be Alec Baldwin, who was just like. He's been in one movie. Yeah, so Adam it's more like, Henry Cavill too. I yeah, think. so I was just like, oh, okay. But uh, I think it would if they wanted to have that real emotional gut punch. I'm not rooting for ben- them to kill Benji, but if, if <laughs> Benji would have just not woken up there at the end, I oh, think that, I think that would have been yeah. crazy. Um, but that may have been a little too dour of an ending yeah, at that point. Speaking of the else. ending, how about mm-hmm. the editing for that um, bomb fake out when bomb. it? Like at the oh, very yes, end of the flash. Yes. yes. Like, oh, yes. I think I, I asked everybody this. Like, did you think the bomb for a split second actually mm-hmm. went off there? Like when it shows the shot of him like looking off to the village with that bright light. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, I was like, I really thought they mm-hmm. were going to go that direction and have him kind of be on his own for the next installment. And I was like a lot. All those thoughts came kind of rushing yeah. through my head for a second there. Oh, I tried to. Yeah. I tried to gather what was going on there. I'm like, did some other bomb go off or, <laughs> just because of the way yeah the way they fade in from that white the highlights are the last thing to come into focus the yeah. horizon because it was so bright before um you're like oh, oh no there's a mushroom cloud there's a mushroom cloud yeah. there's a mushroom oh no okay we're you're good. waiting for them just like to pan out a little bit turn yeah. and then there's a mushroom cloud you're like no and then cruz you know has the and then he just he just you know loses all willing to live and he just falls. like falls off the cliff and that's the animation possible wow <laughs> That what would be series. very dark. That would have been crazy. Um, I think it, we should probably wrap it up. I mean, okay. I feel like we could talk about this for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we touched pretty much all the necessary points, like set piece wise. Is there any just some final thoughts from each of you guys that you, maybe points you didn't mention that you want to just mention or you just want to throw further praise towards? Vanessa Kirby. Yes. Um, phenomenal. This is probably her big uh, breakout role from mm-hmm. the crown i mean she's done with the crown after this oncoming season 
because they're moving ahead a couple of years. So hopefully movie roles start landing her way. Yeah, I mean, um, she's going to be in Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. And I would really like if the Black Widow movie does another Black Widow named Yolona something. I think Kirby would be a great choice for that role too. So, yes, Kirby was Kirby was great. I'll just say um, you keep hearing uh, critics say that this is one of the best action movies of all time. And I would definitely agree with that. And this is one of those instances where you go into the movie hearing all the all this hype, saying, mm-hmm. like, how are they going to top this? And you walk away like, I agree. You yeah. know? So that's all you could hope for in mm-hmm. coming into this movie. It's the only movie that's better than every review or rave tweet. Yeah, I mean, that was my probably my primary concern with the movie going in. I was like, there's just so much hype. And I, I, there was, I don't know if it was, there wasn't similar level of hype for Rogue Nation, but there was a lot of hype. And then I didn't love Rogue Nation as much as like everybody else loved Rogue Nation. I was like, oh, like it's kind of disappointing, even sure. though it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And I was, I feel like, okay, let's Macquarie, maybe it'll happen again. And no, like it was just every single thing worked. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Like Rogue Nation's 90% Rotten Tomatoes score. Something like that. Like yeah. that's really high. This better blow my mind. Mm-hmm. And it was great yeah and we'll we'll rank them in a second oh yeah let's go ahead yeah Um, last thing i want to say uh one of just my favorite it's weird like some of my favorite moments in cinema this year just people running because i was the black panther captain america run in infinity wars one of my just geekiest moments in that movie (laughs) and then in this just letting tom cruise run for like six seven minutes just down every bridge and long building i was like Mm -hmm. this is just like peak tom cruise because all the, the way to the end where it just circles around him on the building yes like the music just blasting well, well yeah well it's that it's that after he jumps down the, the smaller part of the building then there's just that tracking shot of it and it's him on the Run left that, and then yeah. it comes and just right between cruise, the solar like i was like somebody get this guy on like a late night talk show and have him run a 40 and prove <laughs> that he could, he's like somehow like the fastest guy on the planet because he is booking it and he deserves all of our praise they said i was actually watching uh, jimmy fallon yeah uh, when tom cruise was on and they were talking about this that whole chase scene when he broke his leg or mm-hmm. ankle um they said they he sat out for seven weeks and then he filmed that whole running shot. He did that after, after that. the yeah. break? That's oh. what they said. Jeez. Tom. Yeah. What a, I was oh, like, man. It, it usually takes longer than seven weeks yeah. to heal an ankle. Like That's crazy. It, so. um, well, that's because the balance of Thedons in his blood is so much lower than the rest of ours. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Scientology. Whatever, whatever that okay. means. Yeah. Okay. It's a Scientology um, All right. So let's quickly, we'll each give our rankings of, we've seen six Mission Impossible movies now. Mm-hmm. Rank them from least to greatest. Who wants to start off? Least to greatest? Yes. I can do that. Okay. Easily. Um, Two. One. Ghost Protocol. Rogue Nation. MI3. Then Fallout. And then Fallout. All right. Colton? I'm going to go two. One. Three. Oh. Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, Fallout. And then mine is two. So we all have the same bottom one. Yeah. Uh, then one. Then Rogue Nation. Then MI3. Then Ghost Protocol. And then Fallout. So if you guys, I'll, I mean, hopefully you guys have uh, listened to this entirety of this review. You've seen the movie. If you've seen all of six Mission Impossible movies, send us your rankings of them as well on Twitter. Uh, But that's all we have for this review. Hope you guys like the new style. We'll be right back in a bit with the news.
Andrew back with the news. And as I mentioned on top of the show, we're changing the format a little bit, going into three main topics to kick off the news section. And this week, we got some very big news where Lucasfilm confirmed the full cast for Star Wars 9, uh, and it actually featured a couple of surprises. Regulars like Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, Kellen Reed Tran, Donald Gleason, Lupita Nyong'o, Junis Suatamo, Billy Lord, Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, and Billy Dee Williams will all return. Carrie Russell, Richard E. Grant, and Nomi Aki are confirmed as the newcomers, but the big surprise was that Carrie Fisher is going to appear in the movie as Leia with J.J. reusing footage that was cut from Star Wars The Force Awakens. So we have the full cast. Production starts uh, tomorrow by the time you guys are going to hear this episode. So episode 9 is rapidly approaching uh, being in theaters are we surprised by any access of the cast? Are we, do you got like Josh, are you cool with them bringing Leia back in this, this way? Yeah. I just don't know how I, I'm curious how JJ is going to repurpose that footage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm not fine with it. I think it's a great idea. I don't know what they had, but it's yeah. Probably something that they probably haven't even heard rumored about. I don't know. I'm excited. I just, this whole thing is just great news. Star Wars is starting. They've probably done their table read by now, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Naomi Aki is my favorite edition. Um, she's Lady Macbeth um, and she kills it. In what? Uh, there's a BBC oh. revival for it. Um, destroyed the role. So You're more excited for her than Carrie Russell or Richard E. Grant? Yes, she's she's taken over. Plus, we've already talked about Carrie Russell. True, so, um, but now she's confirmed. You know, mm-hmm. it's exciting. It is all it, all that's exciting, most exciting about Naomi. Okay, Colin, are you cool with them bringing back uh, Leia? Yeah, this actually changes like all the speculation we had coming yes. out of Last Jedi. We were just like, how are they gonna, mm-hmm. you know, how move they gonna forward this? with this? I don't know, but now this just kind of opens up a new thing. Like you said, it's just like now we're it's leading us to speculate like how are they gonna use mm-hmm. that footage because like. It clearly was meant for seven storyline, and how are they going to incorporate that and to make sense? I guess with nine, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that's that's a good point where it's like the speculation of it all shifts. Where like Lucasfilm could and like JJ could have been very secretive about the whole thing and been like, "Oh, confirmed to come back is it's Daisy, it's Oscar, it's Adam, it's John. Who else? We don't know." Right, and that's like okay, well, like. Who else? But now we know we're gonna get more from Kelly Tran, which I think is cool because of all the yeah, harass- I, I of like all the crap that she got. I was kind of worried. It's like, like, is she gonna quit? <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't yeah. blame her if she did. Like, if she like was like, guys, you know, it was great at being an eight, but I don't really want to be a nine, and just because I don't want to deal with this all again. But now that she's coming back, it's like yes, like the trolls didn't get the best of her. Like, yeah, she may have shut down her Instagram or whatever, but she's still gonna work and like. Be just like a regular human being, which is just reassuring, I think, to humanity in this instance. Yeah. Um, but then also they confirmed Mark Hamill's back, so we're not to worry. Yeah, that was great. Is he going to be a Force Ghost yeah, or right. not? Is he going to return? No, we mm-hmm. know. Uh, they confirmed Billy D after the Hollywood Reporter article, mm-hmm. and now they confirmed Carrie Fisher is going to be involved, and we're going to use old footage of Leia to make this possible. And again, it's just it's that reassuring thing of like instead of you know a couple months ago we wanted to do a big question of how is Episode Nine going to happen without. Leia because she is set up to be such a prominent figure in this story and it's just like how are they going to do this well now we know they're not going to have to do it like they're going to they've reworked it in some way uh, whether it's taking her and digitally recreating a different background because most of her scenes were on Dakar that planet's not destroyed so can't do that <laughs> um, I mean they could just put it in a different place it just looks exactly like the base that she was in before um, or they just 
are able to digitally recreate or take her from the scene and make her just a hologram form, some way that she can speak to them. I think it's just interesting because then it's it's repurposing the dialogue too, where the story for seven is we gotta find Luke, we gotta you know try to take down uh, the first order, and that is still somewhat of the case in taking down the first order in episode nine. But you know the Luke aspect's not there. Um, mm-hmm. The roles of people in episode seven have drastically changed now. So like. Poe is not just like, you know, a hotshot pilot, you know, he's a little bit more of a leader. And so like how like she's going to interact with all these other people, I think is really interesting and, uh, and fun to find out because now, like I said, we don't have to just speculate of how are they going to do this or are they going to do this? It's how will they actually try to pull this off? Yeah. They're laying out some of the cards, like they're laying out all the cards that we were thinking about at the end of the last Jedi on the table. And this is JJ Abrams, mind you, master of the mystery box. So what else is he lacing his story with? Yeah. What other surprises? Obi-Wan, um, probably that's heavily rumored and mm-hmm. his apparently already on the production schedule, depending on who, which place you read. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is weird. Um, uh, Yoda has been talked yep. about. Uh, Hayden Christensen is probably already in London. I mean, I don't. <laughs> you, don't you don't know what you're going to mm-hmm. get um, from this now. And so that I love that they just said, here it all is. Here's John Williams coming back. Here's Kathleen Kennedy still producing. Mm-hmm. Suck it. You know, uh, all of these yes. things. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, Dan Mindel is the DP. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with his work. No, me so, either. Um, I'll be diving into that and see what we're going to get because I hope it's going to be something really good. It's got to meet what um, the guy who works with Brian Johnson all the time's name is. Shoot. But Blanken. Yep. They've got a high standard. Or they've got a high bar to meet. Yeah. It looks like they're ready for it. Yeah, but now it's just, you know, the movie's going to start production soon. We know the cast. We know the director. We don't know the story yet, but we can. We'll we'll find that out. You know, once marketing ramps up, once there's going to be the inevitable set, uh, set photos or set videos or the supposed leaks of the story that come from Reddit or you know 4chan or whatever. But for now, we actually have concrete information on Star Wars Nine, and that just feels great at this point. So he did Mission Impossible Three cinematography. Oh, and the Force Awakens. Cool. Okay. Okay. So cool. More cool, cool. the same, I guess. But. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's cool with me. Um, we also got some casting on Joker, the standalone solo movie that's going to start Joking Phoenix for Warner Brothers. Uh, the THR reported that uh, Rob De Niro is going to join the movie and that he is, if he does join the film, he will play a talk show host who is somehow instrumental in Joker's origin. And then The Wrap also reported that Frances Conroy, who's, I think, best known for her work in American Horror Story, mm-hmm. uh, is joining the film as Joker's mother, which is a role that Frances McDormand previously passed on. So they're clearly going big in terms of their casting. They, ca- they got Zazie Beetz last week. They have Joker Phoenix in the leading role. Now they got De Niro, possibly. This Joker movie is shaping up pretty nicely. Um, With Scorsese directing too, right? He's not. It's Todd Phillips directing. I think so. There's been like some weird. There's been some weird. Like, is Scorsese actually producing or not? Because he's not on any of like the press releases for the Mm -hmm. film. But then like his producing partner is. Mm -hmm. So it's like his banner. I think is still involved, but he's not. His His name will just be on there. His company is involved, and I feel like they're like, how do we get Joaquin Phoenix in this movie? There's Martin Scorsese's production company. We're also asking him to direct. Yeah, and then I don't they, know. They, they tricked him. <laughs> I, don't I mean, his name perhaps. has been on some stinkers before yes. in the past. So oh, yeah, as a producer, so like you could literally just throw his name on mm-hmm. just yeah. to get like publicity. You know, but oh, yeah. I mean, me and Josh always talk about this a lot. Um, Colton, you're not a regular, or you are. You're a semi regular on the podcast, but the Joker movie as a standalone mm-hmm. concept 
Is this something that interests you, especially with this cast as director? Um, it wouldn't, but with the cast, it kind of does. Okay. And just being a Batman fan in general mm-hmm. uh, makes me interested to see what they're going to do with it. And also, I like the fact that it's going to be its own standalone mm-hmm. thing. That's the biggest thing. Like, I'm glad it's not connecting to anything else in DC. So, yeah, I mean, De Niro especially getting yeah. involved, it, it really hypens the uh, hype for it. Yeah. De Niro's going to basically embarrass the Joker, right? He's going to go on the late show yeah, and then going to be like, you're not funny. Ha ha ha. The audience mm-hmm. laughs at him making fun and then that spirals out of control. Right? Maybe. I mean, there's like, I don't know. I don't know if it draws from a comic run specifically or not. Cause I haven't you know, done that much research and research in Joker origin stories or anything, uh, or specific, you know, storylines. But I think the overriding or the, um, favored premise for this movie is that, you know, Joker, there, there's the report that he's like a failed comedian mm-hmm. and that, you know, Zazie Beats is maybe like the owner of the club. And so that's why like he knows her. But then, you know, like that thing you were mentioning, like if he like tries to stand up one night, but then he just bombs it really hard. But then like somebody is there videotaping it and then it ends up on, you know, the news and then Rob De Niro just making fun of him being like, look at this guy. He's trying to be a comedian he's just a joker he's not a real guy they probably actually use something like that line to give him his name um but yeah i mean it's de niro i don't know francis conroy so i I don't watch american horror story solemn so um but yeah i mean it looks like she's a good prestigious actress so i'm cool i'm sure she'll be fine the role i don't i don't want to know too much again it's that uh, that's why I'm kind of tepid on this movie is like, I don't want to know too much about Joker's origin because I think that's what makes Joker yeah. interesting is not knowing, but well, see at the same time, if it's a standalone, it's kind of its own true thing. So you don't really have to buy into it mm-hmm. as being like the overarching, like backstory. To that's him. true. Yeah. People love the killing joke because yeah. it gives a backstory, even though it's, it gives ex- a backstory. It's explicitly not true mm-hmm. based on everything else around it. Um, this will be that for DC movies. Yeah. I think there's, there's also been like rumors or rumblings that in like a 60 year old Thomas Wayne is going to be in the movie in some capacity, um, which yeah changes alternate. things again because like Thomas Wayne dies at a young age, which is what spur, uh, Bruce Wayne so to become Batman. Batman. So if Thomas Wayne's still alive, this is obviously an older uh, version of Joker because Phoenix is like 40 something. Um, it's again. It's that. It's that cool idea of this is the DC Elseworlds or whatever they're going to call this section of their movies um, that they can create these unique stories. And yeah, you know, maybe I don't want to know much about the Joker's typical origin, but it's if it's just here's just a movie about a psycho and how he gets that way. Then I then that could be something I could be interested in. So um, we also got uh, some very interesting news this week, courtesy of Deadline, where they revealed that Ryan Reynolds. Uh, is going to produce a, a Home Alone remix reimagining at Fox that is titled Stoned Alone. And if you couldn't guess by that title, uh, <laughs> the film will take the Home Alone premise of just somebody being left alone at home, left behind on a vacation. And the twist is that it's going to be a stoned young adult of some, you know, they don't give an age, but just some aspiring drug dealer that specializes in weed that is just like, okay, well I'm home alone. I'm just going to get high. And then he does. And then he becomes paranoid that people are breaking into his house. Um, and then it's just like, well, are they breaking into his house? Are they not? Um, and then he has to, you know, combat his, um, burglars. So I think this is a great idea. This is going to be an R rated movie. Reynolds may play a part in the movie, but not the lead role. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm a fan of the Home Alone movies, 
but I don't know why they can't make this this twist on it where they can do the same concept. It's be like you know how The Rock made Skyscraper and it's basically Die Hard, but with The Rock and a couple different twists. Now they can do this where it's a stone guy. Are they breaking in? Is he paranoid? I think there's plenty of potential for comedy. And uh, I I have some suggestions on casting. I mean, it's going to be directed by Augustine Frizzell. Mm -hmm. um, And the writers are Kevin Burroughs and Matt Miter. There's no release date yet. But I'll get my casting thoughts in a second after you guys weigh in on the movie overall. I don't think either of you guys are super on board. Josh? John Williams didn't write the most beautiful Christmas, most dark and Christmassy theme ever to be remixed and destroyed like this but i'm going to reserve judgment okay maybe they don't even touch what john williams wrote well why would they it's sacred unless he's watching the or whoever's stars in this movie is watching like the film that could be a funny joke but i'm going to reserve judgment on the rest of it because it's an interesting idea and it's still in its infancy okay. um augustine frizzler or frizznell Frizzell. Frizzell. Um, his interesting voice, never going back, is pretty funny. Have you so, seen it? Yeah. Oh. So, um, and then she's got another movie, for, another comedy for HBO coming around. Um, so I'm going to hold off on that because this could be good. Okay. But all signs point to, oh boy. I interesting. Deal with this. You like the director, Ryan Reynolds producing. It's just how they pitched it. Okay. Yeah. Colton? Uh, I just got to wait to see who's going to star in it. Really, that's that's going to be the biggest selling point for me. Okay. Um, if Ryan Reynolds is involved with the story in any way, though, um, I think it has potential to be somewhat funny because Ryan Reynolds is a funny guy, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, Home Alone is a beloved movie of mine, and I don't know. I just don't really want to see it being tampered with. I, I mean, yeah, I don't mind remixes in a lot of ways. But this is just kind of As like a stoner comedy. Well, that's like that's the biggest thing. You know, I but mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just kind of like, oh, what do we do now? But I mean, stoned alone. It's, <laughs> it's not like it's not like this is Home Alone three starring Macaulay McCulkin, and he and now he's the stone guy. It's not like there's a continuation anyway. It's just right. the, no, it's, know, it's, it's taking the premise and just giving it a different twist. I'm just saying it almost. Effect. It just I don't want to say it's lazy, but. I'll say it's lazy. <laughs> it's just I'm not going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wait to see the cast for this. Okay, what? No, I'm, I'll, oh, pi- I'll, I'll pitch you a cast. Okay. All right. See if you guys can get on board for this. The star of Stoned Alone, an R-rated adult stoner comedy, mm-hmm. a 20-something-year-old Julian Dennison. He's too young. How? How old? He's like 15, right? So? He's not going to buy him at 20. I'm not going to buy him for 20. I mean, we don't. this movie's not going to be made next year. This could... This could take a while. You don't know. Um, I think Julian Dennison as a kid who is involved with drugs in some way and him just being high, I think, I mean, he, his just comedic presence in Hunt for the Wilder People Mm -hmm. and Deadpool 2 is just great. And I would love to see him just kind of play that out of his mind. What is happening scenario? Burglars. Isla Fisher. I'm just such a fan of her currently after um, Tag that I want to see her do more of those like like R-rated comedies where she can get a little more crazy. Mm -hmm. I think she'd be really fun. Uh, Seth Rogen feels like almost too on the nose. Yeah. But (laughs) him and Ryan Reynolds as the burglar or something would be be a a really fun pairing. And I think in some ways they could mimic the burglars from 
the original Home Alone and at least that dynamic of one's kind of smart, the other one's kind of a doofus. Okay. And I think Reynolds would be the Joe Pesci and then Seth Rogen would be, I don't know, the other guy's name's Max something, I think. Um, and then, you know, if the earth, maybe they don't want to go Seth Rogen. I'm obviously a huge fan of Kamel Nanjiani. Oh yeah. Get him involved. I, th- I just think there's potential uh, based on this idea, um, which maybe I'm more interested in it just because of the premise. Then you guys are more hesitant because of the premise and you're waiting to see who's involved. Mm. But okay, I think this is the robbers a lot of are a big pull because they that was Marvin Harry where it's some of the highlights of you know the first two mm-hmm. Home Alone. So if they if they got Seth Rogen and Ryan Reynolds to play the burglars, I'd be on board for that. Yeah, okay. I would actually say this: if they go young, make it a like a kid finds his dad's joint and oh that's what starts it, that would be good. Okay, not so much that he's a, a stoner yeah. or whatever. Um, Daniel Stern is Max or Marv. Oh, okay, Marv. Sorry. Yeah. Um. If they go that route, and then we have Billy Eichner and Ryan Reynolds okay. as the robbers, I like, I I like would, the choice. I would, Billy I'd buy a ticket right now. Okay, all right. Okay. So we we will have to wait and see on the casting, obviously. To who'd you say Isla Fisher would be? Uh, just like a third burglar. Oh, because I I don't I don't know why you'd have to stick to see, two burglars. I'm a little. I like Isla Fisher, but I'm a little different from you and Tag. I okay. didn't like her character. Oh, okay. Or female. I thought she was just too on the nose crazy over no, the top. she was just too like forced okay i thought i don't know rebel wilson would be good i'm not on board with her no. after pitch perfect I, three i, th- I, know, I, th- I think i think she would i think she'd be a little forced honestly yeah because I and i mean maybe i think ryan, she maybe, could be funny don't yeah. get me wrong but maybe with ryan reynolds would be different but i feel like she is more into the the, the uh physical humor at this point than which i mean home alone that's, obviously has a lot of that all physical but humor. That's just all we see from her. Where I want to see a different side of Rebel Wilson at this point. Like Seth Rogen can do the comedic stuff, but also physical stuff at the same time. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see casting. James Franco and Seth Rogen. I'd be mean, <laughs> if if, if it's, <laughs> the burglars. Yeah, I, I mean that's just again that's just like so I think on the nose. Or even you could go Danny McBride and, yeah. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds or something. You know what? Or if you make it meta like that, where he's watching Pineapple Express. And then he imagines that those two are trying to break into yeah, his that'd house. That would actually be pretty fun. And then you can like pivot it at the end where you're like, oh, no, it's just two random bald heads that are trying yeah. to get in. That, <laughs> then, that could be interesting. Then they connect it, and it's the it's Joe Pesci and right. uh, what's his name you mentioned? Oh, Dan man. something? Daniel Stern. Yeah. If they, if they like cameoed in this. Yeah, that, why not? That would be pretty solid. That'd be fun. Um, so now we're going to move on to the new version of Ticker Skip It. We got a we got new trailers this week for Alita Battle Angel and Mile 22. But then also in the IMAX release of Mission Impossible Fallout, if you saw it in IMAX, you got to see a four-minute featurette extended trailer for First Man. Josh, you can only give one ticket to these to one of these three movies. Where are you giving your uh, movie pass, your A-list, or your actual hard-earned cash to? I'm giving it to Alita Battle Angel. I was mesmerized by this new trailer. It gave, I mean, they had the CG done on a lot of things now, and they, they dialed back the eyes, the anime mm-hmm. eyes. And, but all in all, I, I felt something. I, tears kind of welled up uh, in me a little Whoa. bit. This looks like a fun, or not, this looks like a deep, interesting, and emotional um, sci-fi story. Manga, I think it's what it's based yes, off of, correct? Yes, it's based on manga, yeah. Uh, and I couldn't believe it. Christoph Waltz um, always gets me, mm-hmm. depending, depending on what role he's in, whether it's being funny or being, you know, real heavy-handed or real heavy, you know, heavy with emotion. And 
yeah, I'm just, I'm, I just looked really good. The action is kind of meant to me at this mm-hmm. point, but the story of Alita and everything else around it is intriguing. It's interesting. There's a mystery there, and I want to know what it is. Um, so that's good. That's my ticket. Okay, now just to play devil's advocate a little bit here, this comes out the same weekend as Aquaman, Bumblebee, Mary Poppins. <laughs> is this a is this a ticket to the level of this? Is what I'm seeing Thursday night. Is this a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, or like? I'll buy a ticket for it, but it'll be in week two once I've seen the other movies. Uh, that's hard to say, but I mean, yeah, it'll be one of the movies I see opening weekend. Okay. I will not wait to see it. I would join a list so I can see multiple <laughs> movies that weekend. I mean, you should join a list anyways. It's, I'm, it's so good, much better. I'm going to have to. Tag uh, AMC yeah. in this podcast. Yeah. I mean, AMC, you're doing the job right. You're not shorting out because you, can't actually pay for the movie tickets that people are trying to buy like the people who have movie passed I just saw that that's ridiculous Uh, yeah thank goodness I gave up on you guys a couple of weeks ago so but if you want to advertise on this show we'd be more than happy to have you movie pass if you want to sense a couple of your million dollars that you have remaining over to friends and film (laughs) we'll gladly take it we'll plug you I'll I'll re-up again for another year Uh, it'll be great Um, Colton what are you going to give your one ticket to I'm going to go with first man um not so much based on the trailer, honestly. Hmm, okay. I, I did enjoy it. Like the, uh, I feel like the very end of it where where they actually get on the moon, mm-hmm. that was really cool. Like the sound and all that stuff. But leading up to that, it's just kind of. I mean, it's it's cool how they're like doing the experience of them actually lifting off. But it it just felt like I was kind of watching the same thing for a couple minutes straight. Yeah, like just the shaky cam. I mean, other than that, I mean, it was like. I'm giving it to it basically because it's Ryan Gosling and David okay. Chazelle, you know. But I mean, as the trailer, I still think I would prefer to watch that trailer over the other two okay. you mentioned. Still. Fair, fair. All right, so that way it fits into the segment. Um, and yeah, I'm also going to give a ticket mm-hmm. to my ticket to First Man as well because, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was a little different because it's more of a feature than a trailer, mm-hmm. but it was that ex- it's basically an extended sequence of their first launch. And then we get to see all of the IMAX stuff where it is the first steps on the moon, and that stuff just looks so yeah, good. The space stuff, they kind of just gloss over really quick. Right, which, which I think, is still enough to be like, oh, yeah, can't they, wait they, to see they that end IMAX. you with the, just the breathing the the wide openness of space yeah, and your shot like, oh, where they cool, just walk okay. out into it and yeah. like you're just kind of like okay i want i want to see more and then it cuts and so i was just kinda, I, since i wanted so much more i was like okay it got me i did it did a job i'll be there for you damien giselle and uh it's still october was, it's still october the other 12th other than alita you mentioned uh mile 22 there was like a new yeah. like minute and it's a half like, trailer yeah. uh came online this week which is just more of the same um it's probably the worst trailer out of the bunch peter berg it's the worst trailer ever cut ever oh my <laughs> gosh you hater. Um, not being a hater, that movie is going to be terrible. <laughs> Peter Berg is a fantastic filmmaker, and he's a fantastic filmmaker. But he's doing a doing a studio cash grab, and with the most this is going to be a, this is going to be a franchise dialogue I've ever heard. We will we will see we will see. It's got the guy from Raid, Eco, Uwes. He's going to be great. Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg bring out the best of each other. We'll review it in a couple weeks, I think. Um, we'll see on the schedule. I don't know. But it comes out the 17th. Let's move on to the flyby. Not debate <laughs> the Mile 22 trailer, which none of us gave a ticket to. Uh, <laughs> the flyby, you guys know it if you've listened to podcasts before. Again, it's just brief overview of other news topics that came out this week. Starting off with Collider reported this week that James Franco may direct a movie about ESPN. It is based on the book. These guys have all the fun inside the world of ESPN. 
Do you guys like the choice of Franco possibly getting involved with an ESPN movie? And how would you like to see it happen? No clue. I don't know where they would take this. I I haven't read the book. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'd be fine with, I mean, Franco, he's proven that he can, you know, do like a memoir, Mm -hmm. like a disaster artist. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely would be on board with him taking this on. I just don't know what to expect from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a story I'm convinced I need, but Franco yeah. will be fine with it. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, I bought the book. I haven't actually started reading it yet, oh, but okay. I bought it cause I wrote the story. I read about it. It sounds interesting. I don't know the history of ESPN that much. I know enough about it at this point, but I want to know the ins and outs. Um, how you know the early days from Anchorman too, though. That's true. Correct. <laughs> we already got the story with Adam McKay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Adam McKay after big short, I mean, this movie could be a big short type of movie. It could be like, Hints of Wolf of Wall Street, hints of um, the social network possibly, or I would love to see them go a little more comedic like the disaster artist and just do James Franco, like telling the story of ESPN, but also kind of poking fun at the ridiculousness of starting the first 24-hour news um, network for sports and like having to show like bull riding and rodeos and like all these other like like rugby, like stuff people don't really like watch. But poker. Like, yeah. I know you watch it. But... <laughs> I don't watch poker anymore. Oh, okay. I used to a couple of times, but um, there's no release yet for this movie. There is one, a new one for the Charlie's Angels reboot at Sony, which got a uh, new release date of September 27th, 2019, moving out of the summer, which is a very smart move. But it also got its cast, Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, and newcomer Ella Belinska. Um, they will star in the new film that is directed by Elizabeth Banks, who also has a role in the film as well. I've never seen Charlie's Angels movie. But I like the cast. Kristen Stewart is fine. Naomi Scott, I'm impressed with her after Power Rangers. I want to see her as uh, in Aladdin. And so mm-hmm. her getting another role like this. And then moving out of the summer is, I think, great move on Sony's part because 2019 is one of the most stacked calendar years I think I've ever seen in terms of movie releases. So Can't wait to be talking about that one. Getting yeah. out of the summer, which has like Lion King, Spider-Man Far From Home, um, several others going to September where there's not really anything very smart move for this Charlie's Angels possible franchise. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one too. Um, a great cast. I don't know anything about uh, Belinsky, mm-hmm. um, but they probably wouldn't have picked her if she didn't have the talent for it. So, yeah, yeah I'm all set. Cole, you have any interest in Charlie's Angels? Uh, not necessarily. I don't know anything about it. I'm not a huge fan of Kristen Stewart. I'm sorry, guys. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, are you a fan of Men in Black? Because THR reported this week that Emma yes. Thompson is going to return for Sony's Men in Black spinoff, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. She will reprise her role as Agent O from Men in Black 3. I don't think this really moves the needle for any of us, really. I mean, Emma Thompson's good. Her role as Agent O is small, doesn't really do much. But does this open up the door for maybe other possible familiar faces to pop up josh if will smith doesn't have at least one cameo after being in three films i feel like you're wasting you're wasting something okay but yeah this is a good this is a good sign for it though there's continuity yes it is part of the same universe if anything mm-hmm. yeah i want him to i want it to be like a surprise like we, like we don't know if he's actually going to be in the movie but he better be in it you know when we see it you know <laughs> right but i mean other than that i i like the cast that they got for this so mm-hmm. i th- either way i'm there to see it yeah i, I don't know i mean i'm kind of hesitant to think that will smith uh is going to be in this movie and hopefully they don't just do like a cheap uh independence day research thing like there's this post there's this picture on the wall and you're like stop He's i would dead. be surprised if tommy lee jones shows up yeah same. but will smith i expect to have a cameo as in yeah. he better have a cameo i it's very if possible he doesn't it's not going to ruin the movie but 
but, but we'd all like it. We would it. all yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got news this week from Deadline that Disney acquired an original princess film uh, starring an African princess called Sade, Sandy. I don't remember how Josh's computer told me to pronounce it. Um, but <laughs> dope director Rick Famuyiwa is attached to produce the film. This is going to be Disney's first live action uh, movie with a princess of color, which I think is a big deal. And I just like that Famuyiwa is now joining the Disney family. Maybe he can get on board for Guardians 3, which I pitched uh, in our big question last yeah. week or, or not a big question um in our emergency episode or maybe hand him the eternals get him to go cosmic get him in the mcu whatever it takes um but this sounds this sounds like a cool pitch so good for disney sunday sunday it's a sudanese name which is in africa so um that's how it all fits okay. together but yeah this is like you said this is great for what it is mm-hmm. and also rick famua you know walking towards the largest mega studio conglomerate in the world hopefully he can finally get a movie yeah i mean he's got those two projects we talked about like months ago but there's like not really any movement on him at this point so he's doing this maybe he'll direct it we don't know colin is this are you interested in this project at all at this I mean, point hey it's disney you know they everything they touch is gold uh don't don't look <laughs> yeah don't don't look anything up there because i'm sure there's something but <laughs> for the most part everything they touch is gold so yeah i mean your favorite movie of the year is wrinkle in time which is disney release okay that's that's the <laughs> that's the one right there yeah no um speaking of disney though collider revealed this week that justin thoreau may voice tramp in disney's live action lady in the tramp movie which is going to debut on disney streaming service which may or may not be called titled disney direct that's what they call it when at Comic Con. Come out, they said. That uh, I believe it's next year, early next year, late, late next year. Um, yes, still a while away. So it's still it's still about a year away, probably. Um, but we're getting that this live action Lady in the Tramp movie. Justin Throw is a good name. Great. Doesn't I don't think make this like a. I mean, he's somewhat of a high key, high mark, like high profile guy, mm-hmm. but he's not like a. Here's Chris Evans, which apparently was like another guy they were maybe targeting for this role. So uh, it's interesting. Justin Throw involved Disney already. He did The Last Jedi. He wrote uh, um, Iron Man 2 as well. So he's part of the family and getting involved here makes sense. For sure. He, well, he's also handsome. So when you have him go around promoting the film for anywhere. <laughs> that, that'll do something yeah oh yeah well it'll move the needle but granted it's like gonna be a home release so i don't know exactly. right how much promotion are you gonna even do precisely but i mean of course you're gonna say lady the tramp comes out this fall they're just stacking films for weekend releases so they can compete with netflix yep colin should be a fine choice has he voiced anything before um yes he's in yeah. lego ninjango as okay. the fire lord Yes. There. Okay, yeah. Um, he's going to be in the Bumblebee film as a. So hey, he's got he's got voice work under his, <laughs> under his belt. That's so all that matters. Should be pretty solid. Yeah. Um, and now one that I'm happy Colton is here to talk about. Oh boy. Uh, Netflix acquired Andy Serkis's Mowgli from Warner Brothers this week, which means it will no longer hit theaters this October as it was previously scheduled to do, and it will instead roll out sometime in 2019. They may still give it a theatrical run as well because Serkis has been spending a lot of time getting the 3D right for the movie, which obviously you can't do for netflix so netflix now has this colton is this a quote-unquote real movie or not yes it is it has already been screened and rated by the mpaa so i would consider it to be a movie that's, and, and it, yeah that's it that's all it needs is an that's, mpaa sticker that's a big part of it also i mean it's still it's still gonna it was it was set to be in theaters it was made it's kind of it it's kind of like uh, what was that movie the current war with benedict cumberbatch yeah I would consider that a movie if that were ever come out on Netflix. Even if it didn't get a theatrical it's already, run. It's already screened at, you know, 
places. So. But well, like Netflix sometimes screens their original movies at festivals too. But then their TV. Well, but current war, I don't know if it has an MPA rating or not already. Um, and if it moves <clears> Netflix or something, because it was a Weinstein movie. Still, it was still a movie. Very interesting. Um, FYI, Colton, you, mm-hmm. that argument that you just laid out it would, is invalid now. Um, <laughs> as I've been watching and reviewing Netflix films for mm-hmm. the, uh, lately, they now have a WMA rating or WP. An MPA? Yes. They do not have a television rating anymore. Since when? Sure. Um, since the last one I did. Uh, I don't remember that. Tau was rated R. Really? Mm-hmm. Maybe that was one that was similar to this, where they bought it off somebody. Perhaps. Because it could still be a Netflix original without Netflix actually making the movie themselves. So uh, it's very interesting. Does this? I think to me this signals that Warner Brothers didn't think that this movie was going to be a hit. Which? Oh yeah. I, I mean. I, if, so if this movie, same time, this if this movie, movie hit theaters, that it's gonna draw the Neville comparison to Jungle Book because it's the same Jungle Book story, just told differently. So getting it, are they afraid of backlash? That's what I'm concerned maybe. about here. So like, is it good? I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say, oh, Netflix bought it as much. I mean, it sucks because they're they they put out so much content that more than not, I feel like the it weighs towards the not being so good. Oh, on top of that, though, too. They've advertised it with the trailer and theaters, and but that was when it was still and Warner Brothers. And there's posters up and stuff too. But that was before it was sold. I'm just, it's still the same movie. It just was true, sold. true. But there's a lot of movies that are made independently that go to film festivals to be bought by distributors. Mm-hmm. They could have gone to Sony or Paramount, Universal or Disney or Warner Brothers, and then instead well, they get bought by this Netflix. Is how I look at it though, uh, if they're being advertised in the theater, that it can be a movie. movie. Yeah, okay. it could be a movie. You were such an institutionalist. Okay. This is this is fascinating stuff, and I'm sure you guys are loving this in the podcast. But <laughs> big question coming around. <laughs> is it, if it's if it's not like that, it's just a TV movie to me. Okay, Steven, it's a, it's its own different category. Steven Spielberg's first movie was a TV movie, which and was then Dueling Guns or Duel Duel, and then uh-huh. it was so dang good that they took it to the theater. That's fine. Debuted. TV movies can be good. <laughs> They're just not quote unquote <laughs> real movies. Which one is it at that point? I just I hold I hold movies that get a release on the big screen differently than I do movies that get distributed by something like Netflix. Okay, we'll have to table this conversation another time because that's the end of this episode. Uh, next week we're going to be back with a review of Christopher Robin. Um, yes, it's fine. It's fun. It's Winnie the Pooh. It's cool. It looks amazing. Yeah, I didn't watch that extended featurette thing you tweeted out this week. So it was really good. It's just like this movie's out in a week. It's yeah, Disney. It's Ewan McGregor. Well it's Haley Atwell, who I'm just in love with. So I'm there for her. I'm there for Winnie the Pooh. Big fan of Winnie as a as a child. So seeing it in this new light, it'll be fine. It'll be it'll be good. Plus, Disney's actually doing it. Yeah, because they had that uh, goodbye, Christopher Robin. Oh yeah, with that Donald Gleeson. Yeah, but that it was it was fine. Margot Robbie was in it. Yeah, that was focused was like more on like, yeah, it was more on it. and how he made the character. Yeah, yeah, and then fame, Fallout. Yeah, so. which I mean, still this, I mean, just the fact that Disney's attached and like the, just the way the story's going mm-hmm. with them actually rekindling his friendship. You know, it, it looks yeah. good. Look, look, looks like a yeah. cute time of the movie. Is Colin, are you going to be checking this one out? I will. Yeah, and I'll be seeing yep. it and writing about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when I'll be seeing it. Um, but take take your take your. Uh, I don't want to say children. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> My younger well, brother and sister yes, to see it. Yes, 
Some reason. They want to see Mission Impossible, though. So, and I think that's on Priorities. the forefront of their minds. Uh, so, yeah, we'll obviously be back this week as well with a big question. Uh, we touched on Star Wars in this episode with Star Wars 9. Coming out, we're going to do our big question of what is your favorite Star Wars movie, ranking the 10 movies, not including the animated Clone Wars film. That one is not qualified unless unless it makes one of your lists fine it can it can bump in there i don't really care we're making real live action yes live action films um in the star wars universe so guys gotta check that out and then if you have i mean hopefully you guys have seen all 10 star wars movies if you have send us your list on those as well with your mission impossible lists um we'll be back again with new episodes next week and if you enjoyed this episode though please subscribe share retweet and more head to iTunes give us a five star review and tell us your thoughts on everything covered by tweeting us at friends of film you can follow me personally on twitter at moviecooper on coops underscore hoops you can get to meet Josh at just Joshua Ryan and go ahead and check me out at believe in blue 88 thanks again for tuning in to the friends of podcast Josh thanks for stopping in everyone cool see you guys be sure to turn next week for our review of Christopher Robin <laughs>